The Oklahoma Sooners earned a 24-point win over the TCU Horned Frogs to close out a 10-2 regular season. We'll break it all down on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh On Ref. You can hear him Monday through Friday from nine to noon on the Care of Sports app. Josh, the Oklahoma Sooners close out the regular season with a sixty-nine to forty-five win over the TCU Horn Frogs. A scoreagami that looked more like a college basketball final score than a football game. But man, this one had everything to it, you know, explosive offensive plays, big time production, a a good defensive first half, a what Brent Venables called an abomination of a second half uh, defensively. It, it was such a an interesting game, a frustrating game at times, but uh, the Oklahoma Sooners ultimately they come away with the big win. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I was probably going to lead by saying, "What a great, what a great win inside the Lloyd Noble Center for Oklahoma." Yeah. It, it just reads like that. But uh, you know, ultimately for Oklahoma, I think uh, as the chips are falling elsewhere, probably Big Twelve championship. I mean, obviously, it's going to take you know the the BYU help for that to happen to o- for Oklahoma, and probably not going to happen right where BYU upsets uh, Oklahoma State and all of a sudden you're playing for a, a Big 12 championship so this OU team unfortunately I think in the back half of the year we kind of got the answer to the question John was this Oklahoma team great or was it a pretty good Oklahoma team and as compared to a season ago pretty good's not all bad but it was a pretty good or has been a pretty good Oklahoma team it's not a great Oklahoma team and unfortunately some of the defensive warts uh, showed their ugly head again in this one. And yet the offensive electricity showed itself uh, in this game. So, and that, I mean, to me is the mark of a pretty good team and not a great team, right? Where there, there hasn't necessarily been performance after performance for Oklahoma, where we just saw them click on both sides of the football. They've been able to, I think over the course of this regular season, John be a, a better complimentary football team, but again, not a, great football team in the sense that they just ran away and hit from people like I thought, you know, they could have today versus TCU if they were better defensively, but 10 and two given the losses in Lawrence and the loss at Oklahoma state, not all bad, right? A big improvement from what we were talking about a year ago. Yeah. And at some point we'll go through and just kind of break down the whole season as it was, but in this game, it it was very reminiscent of a lot of Oklahoma games, you know, really, really good stretches, uh, for the defense, you know, they TCU was able to do some things in the first half, but ultimately only had 16 points by the time the first half ended. Uh, and then in the second half, things just kind of unraveled for a big stretch defensively. 
until TCU got it to within 14 points. And then the Oklahoma defense started coming up, making plays, you know, a big, you know, timely sack fumble that you know, uh, TCU recovered the big Billy Bowman pick six. They, they had several, you know, drives in a row where they made stops, you know, forcing turnovers on downs. Like they were coming up with some clutch moments in these game in this game that allowed also Oklahoma to score 17 unanswered points and really put the game away. But it was just the, the highs and lows, you know, there were, there were really, really high highs and there were some really, really low lows defensively for this team. Offensively though, dude, just absolutely electric throughout the game. Even in the second half, when they were kind of slowing things down a little bit to try and kill more clock and, and just kind of play out the string, they were still getting some really, really big chunk plays uh, throughout. And for me, like, I feel like the conversation starts with Dylan Gabriel, his status up in the air all week long. It's not known until really the announcer announces the starting lineups. I think there were, there was speculation. There was assumptions. I think Josh Calloway kind of went out on a limb and reported it. Uh, He was, he was told that Gabriel was going to start. And I mean, the dude came out, firing on all cylinders had Nick Anderson for a big 50 yard gain on the first drive of the game and then ran it in for his 12th rushing touchdown of the season. Just unbelievable ends the day with 400 yards passing had, I think it was like three uh, or four receptions for 50 yards or more or completions of 50 yards or more in the game, 400 yards, four total touchdowns up over 41 total touchdowns on the season. 30 passing touchdowns, 12 rushing touchdowns, just an unbelievable performance in what was his last game inside Gaylord family. Uh, But maybe even his last game as an Oklahoma Sooner. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what the big 12 title game holds, but it's possible he decides to sit out the bowl game. Although I find that to be unlikely, but uh, an incredible performance from him, Drake stoops, his final game in Norman, 12 catches, 125 and a touchdown. He's been Oklahoma's best receiver for the last month and showed it again today. How is Dylan Gabriel going to be remembered? I think that's uh, an interesting discussion. And at least in this TCU game, right? One final, really sensational performance from uh, from Dylan Gabriel, where you throw for 400 yards, you account for four touchdowns. And uh, as you mentioned, and Brent Venables and everybody reported afterwards that it was the concussion protocol. There was a lot of speculation on what was going on from the injury uh, a week ago, and probably that's a little surprising uh, given the way last year played out with the concussion protocol. But, you know, the final game, and uh, if you've passed the con- concussion protocol, I'm not going to sit here and exist in the world. I-, I know that understandably so and deservedly so. We're spooked by head injuries in in football and we should be really in sports in life in general we've gotten to that point that's an educated standpoint to be existing in right but if you pass the protocol then i'm not i'm also not going to exist in the world that the coaching staff and the medical staff got it wrong by gabriel going out and playing in the game but it, it is brave in a sense to have had that happen and go through the concussion protocol, and then, you know, obviously to go play in the game and run the football in the game, right? I mean, to to not really change the way that you operate uh, this offense, I, I thought was uh, kind of an interesting 
unfolding in this game and obviously speaks to the character, I think, of uh, of Dylan Gabriel. And he had one final very, very good performance inside Gaylord Family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Yeah, it was another really strong performance. And you love to see a guy who had become such a big part of of this program and of the new era of Oklahoma football was a big time leader. He really stepped his game up from 2022 to 2023. Like a lot of players did. I mean, he took a leap. Like he had a career year in completion percentage in, you know, passing touchdowns and uh, maybe not passing touchdowns, but in total touchdowns in you know, passing yards, moved up to number seven all time in the passing yardage list. I mean, he was really, really good all year long and, and was the most consistent part of your offense all year long for a big stretch of the season. You didn't have much of a running game, but you had Dylan Gabriel and early in this game, they weren't really running the ball very much, but Dylan Gabriel, he was cooking. And he cooked all game long and, and you needed him to have a win where he'll get remembered. You know, I think he's going to be remembered fondly, you know, where, and maybe even, you know, I think you go back and you look at kind of Landry Jones and following Sam Bradford, he probably needs to be remembered a little bit better than what maybe a lot of people do. I know our man, red dirt sport is, is all aboard the Landry Jones, you know, fan train. Uh, he's the conductor of that one, but you know, I think after last year, if Dylan Gabriel kind of had a repeat performance of last year where it was just kind of okay and and good, but just not clutch, unlike this year where he was pretty clutch, then maybe he's not remembered as fondly. But with the season he's had, he's going to you know not go down as one of the all-time greats, but a, a guy that people think of fondly when they remember his time with the Sooners. We'll have a few more takeaways about this game. We'll just kind of get into some year two impressions, even though there still might be some meaningful football to play here in big 12 play, but we definitely got the bowl game to look forward to as well. Uh, but we'll talk more about that all after the break. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with eBay motors, you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available for us customers. So a, a couple more names that had really big days. I mean, Jaden Gibson continues to really show out and prove that he's going to be a vital part of this offense moving forward, had two plays back to back that just kind of showed off a little bit of his own clutchness. We just talked about Dylan Gabriel coming up clutch. Well, Jaden Gibson comes through on a big third down conversion and then has one of the funniest, uh, if not awesomest touchdown receptions where, you know, he catches the ball and then he's like, I don't know, five yards shy of the end zone and just kind of starts walking in as he's being tugged on by a uh, TCU defender. And the TCU, there's a great photo. Uh, I know Parker Thune from OU Insider's got a great one, but Brian Terry of the Oklahoma's got a great one as well, where the, the defender's like flat on his face, holding on to Jaden Gibson's 
you know, undershirt, I guess, and just tugging on him. And it's just stretching out. And Gibson just kind of like strolling into the end zone and, and pointing to the fans, looking to the fans. I'm like, bro, like get into the end zone at least. But it's still just a really funny and kind of awesome moment. Has had a bit of like, he's kind of the first dude I've seen since CD Lamb have a bit of that CD Lamb edginess to him. You know what I mean? Like that that kind of grinder I'm going to come and and not just beat you, but kind of embarrass you along the way. And hopefully that's, that's something we continue to see out of Jaden Gibson. Cause man, the dude leveled it up this season and especially over the last few weeks has been absolutely phenomenal. If he has a similar jump that he had freshman year to this season, then you're going to have something pretty special next year in, in Jaden Gibson. And really, you know, on that line of discussion, we need to talk about Drake Stoops, of course. You know, that would be uh, the the departing Sooners uh, conversation. Maybe that's the case, right, for a Jaleel Farouk. But in terms of the returning guys that OU's going to have, I know we've hopefully got two games left to play in this season for Oklahoma, Big 12 championship and, and then the bowl game. But Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, and Brendan Thompson, th- those three guys, what they did today was like one final regular season, hey, uh, this is not going to be the same wide receiver conversation in the offseason that that you all had a year ago. I mean, it was over and over and over again, right? We think the pass catchers are going to be good. And what was my – I said it a million times. I will be worried about Oklahoma's pass catchers when it's proven to me that I should be worried about Oklahoma's pass catchers. But now, in terms of what you'll have from a proven production standpoint – Again, it was on display one final time in this regular season with Anderson, Gibson, and and Thompson. So that's pretty exciting as we project forward. Yeah, another positive performance from Gavin Sawchuck, who had his fourth straight 100-yard day, had 130 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns, added a couple catches for 16 yards. And it's if it's not clear at this point, we know who RB1 is, not just for the rest of this season, but going into 2023 or 2024, now it's just a matter of, okay, from January 1 to September, first week of September 2024, Gavin Sawchuk's got to stay healthy because we cannot start the season next year like we started this year where we have no idea what we're going to get out of the running back room every single week. And it wasn't until Gavin Sawchuk really got healthy and came on strong that the running game finally solidified and finally showed a lot more consistency. And I mean, the big playability that he shows where he's able to just rip off a 40 yard run without any real notice. It's like, Oh, well, there goes Gavin Sawcheck all of a sudden for 40 yards. But I mean, several times the offensive line blocked him up to have a, a, an untouched touchdown, which is a great thing to see as well. And so just seeing the running game come together is even though you lost Tyler Guyton, uh, you know, for the last few few games and then you know you also had a change at guard at, during the season just to see the running game come together down the stretch was a huge huge positive as Oklahoma looks to move into 24 well the SEC is all about physicality at the line of scrimmage and really that's football that's that's football. not just an SEC thing that's you know Big 12 uh-huh. Big 10 Pac 12 uh Planet Mars, whatever, right? Which whichever universe or galaxy we're playing football in, you got to be good on the lines of scrimmage. And Oklahoma, for a large portion of this season, was was just 
just okay. Uh, just, just okay running the football. At times it was good, but it was certainly spotty throughout a lot of it, and that was because they didn't have a lead guy. Well, now you're right. It feels like uh, they've solved that with Sachuk, and who knows, maybe Tatum will be somebody that can step right in and uh, be that fabulous freshman. I mean, he's a five-star kid for a reason, right? But maybe he could step right in, and all of a sudden you've got a one-two right there, and plus everything else you would have in the running back stable. Bottom line is you've got a nice starting point Nice finishing point, but seemingly, if again, Gavin Sancho can be healthy, we're going to feel good going into 2024 with what he was able to do to end this season, and he'll be confident going into next year. And who knows, right? I mean, you'd think one more offseason physically, just that little bit stronger, maybe that little bit extra explosion and physicality from him. I mean, I think about the, the BYU run was maybe a turning point. For Sachuk, where it's and, and I get BYU's not a great run defense, and uh, a couple of people made that remark like, "Great, you, you did that against BYU, right?" But I I look at that as maybe kind of a symbolic turning point of sorts. Like I'm not gonna go down on contact, and just really the end of this season for Sachuk has has been great, been really big for OU. Yeah, it's something you had to see because you had no answer for what's your running game gonna look like four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, you had zero understanding of what this running game was going to look like. We thought it was Toby Walker. It turned out to be it's Gavin Sawchuk. Drake Stoops, man, another legacy-defining performance. 300-yard games in his last four weeks. I mean, if you go back and look in, at his game logs, he's had three of his best games of his career in the last four weeks of the season. You know, the, the Oklahoma State game, that should... <laughs> That totally should have been a win that would have been part of his legacy defining career and just another big game. But then the next week, you know, he goes and has a big game against West Virginia, uh, BYU. He was good, but didn't have the big, big numbers. But then this past, you know, and then in the win over TCU today has another big game, 12 catches, 125 yards and a touchdown, you know, just came through clutch time and time again. And I, I shared it on Twitter, just the idea that how much are we going to miss watching Drake Stoops just make defenders look silly uh, in the open field. He just did it time after time again. And it's just so fun to watch that guy play football. And, and I know he's going to get an opportunity somewhere. Uh, I posited the Detroit Lions would be a great spot for him. Just Dan Campbell, Drake Stoops. They just seem to be a match made in football heaven. Um, but yeah, what a, what a, what a fantastic performance for Drake. And now for the first time since the 1997 season, we don't have a Oklahoma football team impacted by a Stoops. Yeah, that's well, after that's the bowl a, game, obviously. Yeah, that's that's sort of a sad thought, right? Uh, to to think about that, but uh, the end of this career for Drake Stoops is just crazy. 486 yeah. receiving yards, 38 grabs over the final month of the season, and oh by the way. Uh, five touchdown receptions. I mean, that's that's crazy. Those those numbers are insane, John. Absolutely insane. And you, you can't ask for much more than what Drake Stoops provided you. You know, even in that Oklahoma State game, he drew what should have been a pass interference, a game-changing pass interference call in the end zone that would have put Oklahoma first and goal at the one. Didn't go Oklahoma's way like it normally doesn't in Stillwater in the end zone, but he, he did what he was supposed to do on that play, give Oklahoma a chance to make a competitive play. But yeah, 
he, he's been everything that you could want in a football player, in a leader, uh, in an ambassador for the university, an ambassador for football. You, you just appreciate Drake Stoops so much. And you talk about positive takeaways, even though you had two losses on the season, just watching him take his game to the next level when Oklahoma needed him to after the loss of Andrew Anthony, absolutely clutch, just huge for the Sooners. We've talked a lot about the good. We'll talk a little bit about the bad as well and give you some year two impressions and even talk Jeff Levy. There's a lot of speculation right now about his future with the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll do that next. Well, Hopefully come Sunday morning, we're getting ready for Oklahoma and the big 12 championship game. But if we're not, then you need to be looking at bowl destinations. Maybe it's San Antonio for the Alamo bowl. Maybe it's to the cotton bowl for a new Year's six game. We'll see how the rest of the regular season plays out, but you need the best place to go to find not just tickets now, but Hey, maybe you just decide all of a sudden, like, Hey, we're going to head to the bowl game. And it's a couple days before the game. Game time's got you covered because they've got the best last minute ticket deals at the best prices guaranteed. There's no better place to go than game time. It's super easy. Just go download the app in your app store or the Google play store. Use promo code locked on college. You can get $20 off your first purchase. They give you a great view of what your seat's going to be looking at inside the app. So you're not guessing you're not sitting there wondering, okay, where's this at in relation to the field? What's my view of the field? Where am I at in the end zone? Game time has got all the views that you need to know and a great way to look for your best seat by looking at the stadium view, or you can look by you know the cheapest prices, however you want to search for your tickets. But they've also got tickets to concerts, you know, uh the theater, comedy shows, whatever you're looking for. Game time's got you covered. So again, go download the app, game time, use promo code locked on college, get $20 off your first purchase with game time. Fastest tickets, or sorry, the best tickets, last minute tickets, low price, guaranteed. Download game time today. All right, Josh, just one, a few final thoughts defensively. You know, the Oklahoma Sooners only allowed 16 points in the first half. They only allowed four yards per play in the first half. In the second half, it was a big, big difference. TCU started gashing them for big runs, big pass plays, and they averaged 9.8 yards per play in the second half. I think a lot of this, okay, you go into halftime and you've got a huge lead. You're up, what, 32 points going into halftime? And I think Oklahoma let its guard down a little bit. I think Oklahoma decided, hey, we're going to get some of our young guys out on the field. We're going to play a lot of these guys. I mean, you lose Gentry William to injury. You have to play some other guys at corner that haven't gotten a ton of experience. And it, it kind of showed. But also some of your inexperience that has gotten a lot of playing time this year at linebacker, whether it's Jaron Kanick or Kip Lewis, uh, Kobe McKenzie, at times they just got flat beat in the run game or were out of position in the run game. And the defensive line wasn't really getting a whole lot of penetration, getting a whole lot of push. And TCU was able to make Oklahoma pay for it. You know, there were times where the pass rush was pro productive and forced Josh Hoover to make a throw faster than he wanted to, but it wasn't consistent. And again, this game is kind of a mi microcosm of what this season has been. Stretches of really, really good football and then stretches of really, really bad football where you're like, is Alex Grinch coordinating this defense all of a sudden? And we're back to 2022. Well, it's a little bit of both. It's signs of improvement, 
with signs of, uh, we're not quite there just yet. Yeah. And how much of it was they, they played poorly in the second half and TCU played well, how much of it was that they're not ready, right. To play four complete quarters. And how much of it was they flat out, as you sort of pointed out, got disinterested with a 42 16 lead. I don't know, right? But either way, it's not going to sit well with anybody when it winds up 52-38 and all of a sudden it's uh, feels like one of those old-school Big 12 shootouts, right? It's mm-hmm. It was sort of fitting, I guess, in a way that your final Big 12 game perhaps played out this way. It's like, I don't know, maybe somehow there's some sort of curse that we've lifted on the program by playing one more game just like this but uh i know that obviously didn't sit great with anybody nice to see the final little response in the fourth quarter and to pull away in the offense made some more big plays but uh you know i I don't know what to make of it i i sort of stand with what i said earlier which was i think this was a pretty good oklahoma team that isn't quite great yet and i would take pretty good over not very good at all from a season ago yeah, and I, and I think that's a reasonable place to be. You know, ten and two at the end of the regular season is so much more fun than six and six. You still got a lot of work to do. But I watched the Egg Bowl. I watched Ole Miss and Mississippi State. That's that's not a lot of great offense. Now I know Ole Miss has had some really good offensive performances this year, but Mississippi State, meh, Mississippi State. Although they things might change because. Uh, Jeff Levy, it's being rumored and, and it's being reported. Uh, George Stoya of Sooner Scoop reported, apparently on Wednesday, I totally missed it, that um, Jeff Levy actually interviewed with Mississippi State earlier this week. Now there's a strong connection there. Zach Selman, who is now the athletic director there, was an associate athletic director under Joe Castiglione at, in Norman. He's part of the, as George points out, He's part of, he was part of the hiring process for Jeff Lebby and for a lot of this coaching staff. So there's a, an obvious connection there. Lebby has got ties to the state of Mississippi from being the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. So it seems like it could be a good fit. Jeff Lebby in the, in the post game was kind of like, there's a time and place for that discussion. Brent Venables said, basically I'm all for my guys getting opportunities. So there's no definitive answer one way or the other on this. My gut, again, my gut, no inside information. My gut is that once we know if Oklahoma is going to the Big 12 title game or not, if Oklahoma is not going to the Big 12 title game on Sunday, we're going to hear that Jeff Levy's accepting the position at Mississippi State. That's my gut. That's just my gut. Yeah, I think he's going to be the next head football coach at Mississippi State, too. It just feels that way, given the the relationship with Zach Selman and really what Mississippi State probably should be looking for. Jeff Levy fits a lot of those qualities. He coached with the guy that's beaten you in the rivalry game, right? And that has been a successful path for your rival to really achieve the, you know, over the last quarter century, the best sustained success that Ole Miss has enjoyed. And it does kind of feel like a program like Mississippi State, let's call a spade a spade, right? I don't know that Mississippi State's going to, on a regular basis, out physical and out tough everybody in the SEC with lesser athletes typically, 
right? I don't know that they're going to line up and Alabama you from 2010. They're not going to out Alabama you. They might be able to line up and finesse you a little bit and scheme you offensively and window shop you and window dress you a little bit and have success that way. So it makes sense that you would want an offensive-minded head coach. And obviously the relationship, all of that. He's If he's not the head coach there, there's no doubt. I'm not shocked to hear the report that he's interviewed. And he is going to be, if not the final uh, candidate that gets the gig, he's going to be a very, very serious candidate that has a, a legitimate chance to, yeah, bolt and take that job. Yeah, and if, if he's not and he comes back for next year, Hey, I, I'm, I'm cool with it. I know we've, I've been as hard on Jeff Levy as anybody, you know, maybe not as hard as anybody, but I've been hard on him. And, and I, but I feel like from the Oklahoma state game, the Kansas game, he corrected some things in his own play calling method and in, in his own, um, you know, utilization of his players. I mean, it was after, you know, the, the Kansas game that we really started seeing them utilize Drake Stoops a lot more. And then it was, you know, after the Kansas game, we started seeing them push the ball down the field a lot more, not deep, deep, but you know, to the 10 to 20 yard area, a lot more than what we'd seen today. He kind of reverted back to some of the behind the line of scrimmage stuff and it didn't really work, but we've seen him use that less and less as the, the final quarter of the season has gone along. And, and I, and I think that's the important part to remember is, okay, he's still a young play caller, but he's getting better and better as he goes. If, if Oklahoma does need to replace their offensive coordinator. It's going to create a little bit of transition. Anytime that you have a big change to a, a coordinator position, head coach there's always a bit of transition, but I think they'll be able to sustain things, you know, because there are going to be some really good candidates for the Oklahoma offensive coordinator job, because as we know, it's Oklahoma and there's only one Oklahoma, but that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts for free and available on all platforms. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. We'll be back uh, later this weekend. We'll be back for our Monday episode as well to continue to break down everything that went down. And we'll know at that point where Oklahoma's headed, if they're going to have a chance at the Big 12 title or if we're just looking at the bowl season. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Boomer Sooner.